or every blessing to you all and welcome back to another impromptu walkabout video unlike the open-air pulpits I have no specific message in mind when I go to the open-air pulpits I spend my time preparing and planning before I start to record I don't just turn up and wing it as we say preparation is the key uh, to producing a good message, a credible message, and one that will last the course. As I came down here, I walked past a Muslim fu uh, funeral, an Islamic funeral, and uh, it had uh, the C word, which I shan't discuss anymore. Like I said last time, no more videos concerning the C word. And I saw maybe a dozen or so standing around paying homage to their dead still very depressing still very unusual I will say one quick uh, thing about the C word it doesn't discriminate of course if you are 40 plus overweight it will probably come for you but if you are under 40 and a good weight chances are it won't touch you it won't claim you one other beautiful day as you can see and I'm still working through Ezekiel I wanted to take a quick break and uh, stretch my legs get some fresh air I have never been this way before so, like I said last time, I don't know what I'm going to discover, but whatever I discover, I will share with all of you. want to discuss scripture after the Saviour. The most important thing to us is scripture, the Holy Scripture. Scripture alone as the reformers called it and I've been a Christian 18 years now and I read the word of God every day I've almost finished Ezekiel I'm not sure whether or not I'll ever do a verse by verse study looking at Ezekiel I did do I think from memory a five video study going through Jeremiah back in 2017 very steep hill so bear with me and that was an interesting study but it was only only an overview it took me nine years to do an overview of Genesis only scratch the surface of course but maybe one day a Lord willing I will look at Ezekiel well types and shadows are the theme in Ezekiel 
for example, it speaks about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and the Lord is scathing concerning Ezekiel, excuse me, concerning uh, Pharaoh. But of course, behind Pharaoh is the devil, Satan. In scripture, after the triune God, Satan is the most mentioned person. Types and shadows, like I say, a lot of Ezekiel is addressed to the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. And of course, you know that Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist. Egypt is a type of the world. It's quite high up here, actually. More than I first realised. So when Pharaoh is addressed, yes, a literal historical character, but behind Pharaoh is of course the devil. Or when David wrote and spoke, or when Jeremiah wrote and spoke, or Ezekiel for that matter, who's called the son of man, when those Jewish patriarchs spoke and wrote many times, they were speaking for not only themselves, but also the coming Messiah. I'm trying to not turn the camera too quickly. Uh, it's always difficult when you film like this. If you turn too quickly, it's a bit shaky. And if you turn too slowly, it's a bit robotic. So bear with me, please. So Jeremiah wrote and spoke. David wrote and spoke. Ezekiel especially wrote and spoke. And of course, Ezekiel is called Son of Man. A messianic description, which the Lord Jesus Christ would use for himself 80 times. And he called himself the Son of God 40 times. The more I read the scripture, the less I understand. Bit of a paradox, I know. And the more I read the scripture, the more I realize I need to keep reading the scripture. You get hooked on the scripture. That's a good thing. Over in the book of Acts, it speaks about a couple of brothers who were addicted to the ministry. Addicted to getting people saved. It's a wonderful passage. You can never read enough. You can never pray enough. You can never witness enough. And you may say, well, people don't want to hear the gospel. And that's certainly true. Most don't, but some will. And therefore, what do you do? Well, you keep on going. You keep on going. If you study church history, you will read about people like uh, St. Patrick, who wasn't a Catholic, was a Protestant, wasn't from Ireland, was from Scotland, would preach on the street, had an enormous ministry. Or John Knox, a slave, 
on a ship working day and night. It was back-breaking work. And yet John Knox was the happiest man in his whole company. It's a paradox, of course. David Brainard went to the Red Indians, Native Americans, I better be careful. I was given an email, I sent somebody sent me an email seven or eight years ago saying that such a term is offensive. I wasn't aware of that. And the term is Indian or Native American, not a Red Indian. So had to correct myself. People are very sensitive these days about what you say. And there's no point being offensive just for the sake of being offensive. Well, Brainard, a very brave and courageous Calvinist, and yes, you heard me right, Honour, to whom honour is due, went to the Native Americans, had a, had a very difficult time. Was, I think, 29 when he died. And I got an article about him on our website. Very interesting character. His life was a misery, absolute misery. He was meant to marry the daughter of uh, Jonathan Edwards, Calvinist's probably most revered father, after John Calvin, of course. And it would be Edwards who would edit uh, Brainard's diary. Fascinating book. Well, just three people from three different generations uh, living on three different continents. Of course, Pat and uh, Knox were technically on the same continent. In fact, Knox was a Scot, as was uh, Pat. And of course, Brainard was an American sent to the natives Amer Native Americans. Incredibly tough life. And all these men paid a huge price for following the Lord Jesus Christ. If you think about someone like Billy Sunday, for example, would really preach, and he was less than 60 when he died. D.R. Moody, another one, a famous Chicago preacher, and he would also preach. And it was said he spoke so fast, faster than I do, <laughs> that he had to use three stenographers to uh, keep up with him. To write down all that he was saying and to this day it's been suggested that he led five and a half million people to the Lord Jesus Christ of course these are unique people you understand there's no point comparing ourselves with others Paul says not to do that but we can take encouragements or we can be encouraged if we study such people and observe how they handled at times impossible, and I mean impossible, situations. But they all had one thing in common. A great love for the scripture. Sola scriptura. Scripture alone. To understand the word of God, you have to compare scripture with scripture. And yes, I'm near where I've been for the last three videos, but are they slightly different? parts so I won't uh, go over the same ground again try and pick a different spot 
and uh, like I say, do my best to avoid the C word. Well, those gentlemen that I've just mentioned all had one thing in common. They had a great love for the scripture, sola scriptura. Some had the King James in their own tongue. Martin Luther would put the Bible into German and he has been credited for uh, basically uh, the success of the German language. Is that somebody mowing, cutting the grass? I can't believe it. In some ways this feels like a wild uh, piece of uh, forest. Strange area this, like I say. It's therapeutic on the one hand, and yet a bit eerie on the other. If you go back maybe two or three hundred years, or perhaps even less, you may have had witches out here, Satanists out here, doing all sorts of things they shouldn't have been doing, and perhaps even now, nefarious acts are carried out at such a location, but of course to the pure, all things are pure. So, we go back through church history, and we study some of the greats, some Calvinist, some Arminian, uh, some more orthodox than others. And of course you won't find a clone of yourself, and if you did you'd be rather bored and disappointed I would think. So it's good to study other people. Knox would clash with Mary, Queen of Scots. She was a papist of course, a moderate papist to be fair to her, and he was a Protestant, an ultra-Protestant, and yet somehow the two found a mutual respect for one another. And I have written about Knox and Mary, and of course King James. It was a fascinating project uh, to look at such people. But Knox had the scripture, loved it. St. Patrick, Pat, had the scripture, loved it. Brainard had the scripture, loved it. Sunday had the scripture, loved it. Martin Luther, like I say, is really the father of modern Germany. He has been credited with the German tongue. And if you go back through church history, so many people to speak about, to think about. And yet they all had one thing in common. Not only were they saved, loved the Lord, but they loved the scripture as well. So I want to call this message the secret. The secret. People say, what's a secret to a good life? What's a secret to a long life? What's a secret to a prosperous life? What's a secret to this or that? And sometimes you can get some helpful tips uh, from such sources, but not always, not always. What's good for one person may not be good for you. What's good for me may not be good for you. Going back to what Paul would say, don't compare yourself with one another. Compare yourself with Christ and the scripture. 
So as I keep reading through Ezekiel, I'm making a lot of mental notes. That's what I normally do. And I'm also preparing for the Psalms, which will be a study of a lifetime. And maybe one day, Lord willing, I will go through Ezekiel verse by verse. It's possible. And it may be possible to do the same with Jeremiah. I've only scratched the surface with the latter and with the former. Uh, haven't done much of a deep study looking at Ezekiel. The Bible is a history book. People think it's a religious book because it speaks about God. And yes, of course it is a religious book, but it's mainly a historical book. It's about history. It's about the author of all authors, the God of gods, king of kings, lord of lords, bishop of bishops, potentate of potentates. It's about somebody who's so remarkable, so unusual, unable to be compared to anyone. And that's why people, if they don't know him, will attack him, will uh, ridicule him, will mock him will take his name in vain. It's done out of ignorance. It's also done out of a sense of fear. A sense of, if he, if he really was who he said he was, we have to do something about it. We have to respect what he said, but more importantly, we have to trust him. If you go back to the Old Testament, each year the high priest were going to the Holy of Holies with blood, literal blood, put it on the mercy seats and it would cover the sins of Israel until the following year. New Testament, the Lord goes to the cross once, dies once for the sins of the world, is called the Lamb of God, picturing a physical animal, a literal animal in the Old Testament. And he's being identified uh, with a animal sacrifice. He's also called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And of course, Satan is also referred to as a roaring lion. Again, types and shadows. The more you read the word of God, the more you see that behind every good man, can I say, godly man, can I say, uh, for use of a better term, is of course Christ. And behind every bad man, every evil man, is of course Satan, the devil. If you think about Matthew 4, and also Luke 4, Satan and the Saviour had, had a debate, had a discussion. And part of the debate, the discussion, surrounded the subject of Scripture. It is written, it is written, it is written. Satan would tempt the Saviour three times. And each time, the Saviour would come back with the scripture. Didn't quote the church. Didn't say the church was infallible. No, the scripture was quoted because the scripture alone is infallible. And that infuriated the serpent who misquoted scripture, incidentally. So if the Saviour quoted it, you can be sure that he read it. You can be sure that he memorized it. And when push came to shove, on his knees, praying all night, meditating upon the word of God. So the secret 
to a happy life, a fruitful life, a prosperous life, is meditating on the Word of God. That's one of the reasons why the Psalms were penned, so people could read the Scripture, memorize it, and quote it. The Word of God is referred to as a sharp, sharp, two-edged sword. It can hurt you, it can heal you. How you approach it will determine what you get out of it. If you believe it, you will discover truths that few have. And if you reject it, deny it, you will remain in darkness. I'll go back to the Reformation. For a period of time, many people were coming out of Catholicism into Protestantism, which of course was a good thing. But the, re, uh, the Reformers only went so far. Part of their failure uh, was to take Bible prophecy uh, seriously. They'd been raised to believe that the church uh, was Israel, which of course it's not. And they missed out on many, many blessings. Calvin and Luther both had different views on eschatology. Both correctly understood justification by faith alone, but both added to it through infant baptisms and uh, people being baptised in general. Martin Luther knew that it was faith alone, as did Calvin, but they had a problem, a bit of a quandary. If it was faith through Christ alone, how could you keep adults and families returning to your church each and every week? And like most people in Scripture, they buckled compromised, made mistakes, and at times contaminated the gospel, and the Lord took the baton from them and gave it to others. Like Moody, to some extent, Darby, to some extent, Brainard, perhaps, although he died very young. So each generation is built on the previous one. No one person gets all of the glory. That's why the Lord picked him 12 men. Not one, not two, but 12. And even then, out of the 12 that he picked, he wanted more. And he would call him Paul for the ministry. And Barnabas, of course. Dr. Luke, John Mark, etc., etc. And over a period of time, a small group of men transformed the world. The world has never been the same since their arrival. And off they went into the world with the gospel and the scripture. But let's go back to the secret. The secret is obviously the saviour, first and foremost. Then it's the scripture. In some ways they can't be separated. Both, of course, are free, given to anyone who wants. You can't buy salvation, and you can't buy the scripture, really. It's priceless. In fact, in today's world, you can go online, read the Word of God for free. There's no excuse, really to not have access to the Word of God.
So the devil and the Lord Jesus Christ came face to face, Matthew 4, Luke 4, both were quoting scripture. Satan, like I say, would misquote it. The Saviour would not. And of course the Saviour won the debate over the scripture. We need to return to the scripture. This is where it all ends up, six feet under. If you're saved, you've already had your burial, your baptism, your name is written in heaven already. Most of these people, I would suggest, are lost. Still a lot of spare grass for future dead people to be buried. They do say that death is the last taboo, and that's probably true. Scripture says how Christ has tasted death for every man. That means every man. As I began this walk and talking message, I spoke about an Islamic funeral, not here, elsewhere. And here, this is an open cemetery by the looks of it. Quite busy today. People paying their respects to deceased loved ones. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. I want to be respectful when I walk through a place like this. I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but let's be quite frank. This is where it all ends. Six feet under. And if you die without the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't go up. You've got to go down. So the scripture is the key. It always has been, it always will be. Every time I read the word of God, I feel clean. I feel refreshed. I feel recharged. I feel ready to go. Can't beat it. Prayer is wonderful. Fasting is wonderful, but the scripture is a bit different. You're feeding on the words of the living God. Satan wouldn't have spent five minutes quoting scripture to the Saviour if it wasn't as important as I think it is, and as we know that it is. Back in the Psalms, it says how the Lord has put his word above his name. He's put his word above his name and in the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So please read your Bibles every day. Paul says you can glorify God when you read the Word of God. So the verse I was looking for was Psalm 138 concerning the Word of the Lord, like the Bible, being elevated above the name of God. That's how important Scripture is. If you want to be used, if you want to make a difference, if you want to be a blessing, get into the Word of God. Study it, read it. It helped Brainard. It helped Patrick. It helped Knox. It helped Sunday. It helped Moody, Whitfield, Whitcliffe, Tyndale. He said, as he was not far from dying, that it was his purpose that everyone in the country from the 
boy, the ploughman, to the noble. I can't quite remember the quote, but he wanted everyone and anyone to read the Word of God, understand it, and believe it. And because of that, the Church of Rome launched launched a ferocious war against the Scripture. The Jesuits were, of course, put together to attack the Scripture, the true cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Tyndale began, the King James translators perfected. And we now have the words of the living God, perfect, pure, undefiled, and I want to encourage anyone to read the scripture for yourself each and every day. God will bless you abundantly. He will grow you. You'll be tremendous. And the cross will mean more to you than it probably ever has done after you really immerse yourself, feed on the word of God. And I will sign out and wish you every blessing in the wonderful name of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.